It's him and no one else. You ever been at that place in your life where things around us, people maybe that have hurt us, all the worries of life just really don't matter as much as we make it matter. And you come to that place that what really matters is to have love. Is to have someone there that is going to love you for, not for what you do, not for what you say, not for who you are, but because he loved you, he died for you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. You come to that place in your life where relationships, as important as they are, become secondary to the relationship that you have with your creator. That's where this young lady got to in her life as she put all her eggs in one basket in family. And, and if you've ever been in a family and say grown up and been a um, maybe not a product, that's not a good word, but a through the circumstance of divorce and, and the hurt and the pain that goes with that or a death in someone's life that you've put all your investments in or just a broken relationship, you find that the one that stays true through it all is Jesus Christ. The one who sustains us through life is Jesus Christ. We've been talking about a lot of things in I Am Second, and um, we all have a story. And have you noticed that as long as you're alive, you add a page to your story every day? And that story has in it struggles, situations and circumstances that come upon us that we have no control over. We talked about that last week, and quickly we find out that we're second because when we're first, we find quickly that we have no control over situations. I think her name was Shannon Culpepper that gave that testimony, and at her young life, she had no control over what her parents were going to decide. All she knew was why am I being put aside? Why, Dad, are you having a relationship with this other family? All these things. And there may be someone in this sitting that you've felt that way. You felt, why am I not being communicated with? Why am I being ignored? Maybe in your marriage. Maybe in your, in your family life. Maybe in your work life. I, I don't know. There, it just seems that relationships, they, they tend to fail us. Amen? 
our sons, our daughters, they, they do things sometimes that we're like, why would you do that? And as a son and a daughter, your parents may do things and you're like, why are you doing that? Here's where I want us to go with relationships, because that's, that's the, this part, part three of this series. The big idea in relationships is God's forgiveness restores relationships. God's forgiveness restores the brokenness in relationships. And you have not lived or you're not alive if you're not going through some kind of a severed relationship, right? And Just raise your hand if you've had a relationship of a loved one that's been broken, it's been it's hard, it's been difficult. Yeah, every one of us. There's three things that I, as, as I was going through, through my studies that, that stood out to me. Three points to help us grasp how important a I am second lifestyle is to our relationships. The first point is going to lead us into the scripture text where we're going. So point number one is simply this. We all need forgiveness. I think it's, it's better said... Um, it's not if we will fail each other, it's when we will fail each other. I, I love Shauna with all of my heart. I mean, she's my wife, and we have an amazing relationship. But it's not if I will fail her, it's when I will fail her. Even, even in my greatest days, I seem to fall short as a husband. Even in my greatest days, I seem to fall short as a father, as a dad. Even in my greatest days, I seem... I, I seem to fall short as a, as, a, as a friend. In my greatest days, I seem to fall short as a pastor. Because I'm not first. He is. And you begin to think about that. You, you begin to think if, if we were first, then we would elevate each other a lot more than what we should. Amen? I mean, that Mike Bonner, he's just amazing. He's just an amazing guy. He, and he is. He is, but he's not God. Jesus is. And anytime we get put on a pedestal, we're, we're, we're destined to fail. And so when we fail in those times, we need the forgiveness of God. And, and, and let's just talk about relationships, first of all. First, we need to know that relationships are God's design. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth... And after he, he fine-tuned everything and he, he created this, 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 this person called man, and he created man in the image of God, which is incredible when you think about it. And, and he said this, this wonderful statement. He said, it is not good for the man to be alone. 
It is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good for the woman to be alone because he brought the woman into the man's life. And then it was not good for the man and the woman to be together. He said, you're going to have children. Go and multiply the earth. And Adam went, yay. And Eve said, I have a headache. Babe, I'm just telling you what God said. I'm here. Do you have some Tylenol? We're in church. We can talk like this. You see, relationships make life worth living. Because relationships... Produce love. And love will get us out of bed in the morning. With a whistle on our lips and a skip in our step. Love will drive us to succeed. It's called passion. Hmm? There's a lot of laughter coming out of the worship corner over here, the worship team. Love will drive us to succeed. Love will even drive people to war, to fight for what they love and who they love. Americans, I would say that most Americans love our country. And they'll fight for the country that they love. In fact, a few things, in fact, few things have ever been accomplished in this world that haven't been motivated by love and the relationships that embody that love. Now, that love can be skewed. Are you with me? But it's still love. But what you find in this world is that relationships are made of, of broken and imperfect people. Of which I'm at the top of the list. And so every relationship needs one thing to survive. What is the one thing that every relationship needs to survive and to thrive? Forgiveness. You see, we live in a world that has been impacted. It's been stained by sin. By mistakes, by broken promises, by failed expectations. But you told me we were going to do this. You don't love me. But forgiveness is the remedy for restoration and the only thing that will restore love. This young lady, Shannon Culpepper, her story shows us how unforgiveness and brokenness in one relation, relationship will spill over into the rest of our lives. When you don't forgive, it will follow you. When you don't allow God to restore you, you will break relationships everywhere you 
go. Our relationships impact others. But this simple truth also works in reverse. Because when God comes into the picture, when we get our relationship right between us and God, our relationships, our relationships will change for the better. Our relationships have changed for the better since Jesus came into our life. It brings healing into our lives. And we're going to look at the story of the prodigal son, and we, we will see that it demonstrates forgiveness is the foundation of all relationships. For marriages, for parents and children, for grandparents and grandchildren, for siblings and for friends. Forgiveness is the key. The Lord just showed me someone right now, and he's stirring my heart. Saying, grab a hold of forgiveness. You ever been hurt by someone? Hmm? The Lord doesn't want you to walk in that hurt. He wants you to walk in the freedom of forgiveness. We're going to point number two, and we're going to talk about the Bible story on forgiveness. And as I go into this story, the first thing that ushers in the need for forgiveness is failures. Say it with me, failures. How many of us have failed? Yeah, how many people have failed us? The story of the prodigal son goes like this, but let me pray over the word. Father, thank you for, uh, for this time that we have together. And when I say together, Lord God, it's us and you. We open up our hearts and our minds to receive all that you have for us. I pray as I speak that you will just um, give me an anointing by your spirit, Lord God, to speak clearly and boldly, and to bring glory to the name of Christ. When we are done today, I pray, Father, that we'll be more in love with you than we were before we came in, Lord God, and that we'll realize what, that you love us, Lord God, despite ourselves, and that our relationship will be strengthened, not only with you, but with each other. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the story starts out like this in verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. And that's always a remedy for disaster. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and he set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields and to feed pigs. Now, Jewish people don't do that. I don't know if you know that, but Jewish people do not feed pigs. They don't eat pork. 
They don't touch that. It's unclean. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Have you ever thought about this this truth that if people would not fail us, or let's put the shoe on the other foot, if we would not fail people, there would be no need for forgiveness? But the reality is that people do fail us, and we do fail people, and there is a great need for forgiveness. The son in this story came from a good family. His father was a successful and a respected person in the community. And if you think about it, even today, our families can be either a badge of honor who you brag about, or because of bad choices, sometimes a source of embarrassment. Are you with me? How's your son doing? Oh, he's working at so-and-so. He's an engineer. And you could go on and on. How's your other son doing? Well, he started school, college. Majored in Alcohol 101. (laughs) Getting good grades at that. Right? In that culture and in those days, family honor took precedence over everything. They strived for family. Nothing else was more important despite the value of his family's honor The son takes his family's wealth and he wasted it on a life of party. He didn't care about his family's name. He didn't care about the reputation or anything else that got in the way of his pleasure and his wild living. But how many of us have been there, beloved? How many of you know that when you're in that life, you don't care? About the family name. Wild living. And rock bottom. How many of you know they go hand in hand? How how many of you know. That wild living and rock bottom. Are coming. Together. Someone say amen if you've been there. You see, this guy wasted everything on alcohol, wild women, fancy clothes. I bet when he went over there, man, he was strutting his stuff. But it brought him to a place of rock bottom, and, and not only was that bad enough that he, think about it, beloved, and, and some of us have been there, that you waste everything that your father and your mother have worked so hard to obtain, and when you're in that life, you waste it because you don't know any better. Here's the thing. You don't know any better. How do I know that? Because Jesus said something on the cross that I never forget when they were mocking him and laughing at him, and they, all the same people that had beat him, and they were looking at him, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they 
When you're living in the depths of hell, when you're living in the pits of hell, when you're living in the grasp of the devil, let me tell you, you don't know what you're doing. Wirt is not a word, but I just made it up. It's what, I know. This guy was a complete embarrassment to his family. And in the eyes of the community, he was a complete failure. Because the community doesn't tell you that your kids are a complete failure. They just talk about them when you're not around. But you know that when this dad went into the, into the village, you know as he went into the community, you know as he, as he this is a prestigious man who owned a lot. He held his head up high, but you know that he was hurting inside because his son, whom he loved, was out squandering all that he had invested. And how many of you know that the community loves it? Pastor, why do you say that? Because the National Enquirer and all these tabloids that look for garbage in people's lives, they make buku bucks, and you stand in those aisles at the store, and everyone looks to see what's happening in their life. I think a lot of us can identify with this, with this son. Or we know someone who, who can identify with him. We've made mistakes that embarrass our family. There's broken relationships all around us. And there seems, and it seems like there is no way out. Have you ever been there? Failures are at the top of the list when it comes to forgiveness. Maybe you've had an affair. Anyone ever had an affair? I don't, I don't, I don't want you to raise your hand. That's me, PB. I mean, PJ. <laughs> Maybe you've um, found yourself bound with an addiction. Maybe your obsession with work has devastated your family. You're so engulfed in becoming someone that you put your family on the back burner and you're climbing up the ladder of success and what you find when you have that as your primary source is that you find that your ladder has been leaning up, up against the wrong wall. Because the ladder of success that is successful leads us to God. Or maybe your anger, because of bitterness, because of life, has destroyed people around you. And you just blow up. Doesn't matter who's around. Or maybe you're on the other end of the equation Maybe you're not the one who has committed the failure, but you're the recipient of failures. And you have a righteous anger. And no one is going to tell you it's not well deserved. 
You don't know what they've done to me. Do you know what you've done to me? I want us to think about something, whether we have a speck of dust in our eye or a log. We all have something that has caused brokenness in relationships around us. And when we have a speck of dust in our eyes, isn't it easier for us to, I can't believe you. And then even put it another way, if you have a log in your eye, you really say, I can't believe that you're doing this. Because you don't even see things straight. None of us, none of us deserve the forgiveness that we all so desperately need. But that's the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness is never deserved. Forgiveness is never earned. And we all have modern day pigs in our lives. Oink, oink, oink. We all have mistakes we'd rather not admit. If I was to say right now in this first service, I'm going to start on this side, and I want you to stand up and tell us one mistake about you that you don't want anyone to know. But we have to decide whether we will grant and receive the undeserved forgiveness of those pigs. You with me? You have to decide if you're going to grant forgiveness. You have to decide if you're going to receive forgiveness. Has someone ever come to you and say, I've sinned against you, I've done wrong. Yeah, you have. And I'm not going to forgive you. I'll go to hell before I forgive you. I've heard statements like that. No, you're already in hell if you're not forgiving. Or will we forever suffer the effects of ruined relationships. The son of this story, he realized his error and he admitted his mistakes and he made a choice to return to his father to try to make things right. The Bible continues in verse 17. When he came to his senses, how many of you have came to your senses? You better raise your hand, you're in church. I mean, if you don't raise your hand, you've got some problems. You better be raising those hands right there. He came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and I'll go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven, against God, and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But, how many of you like buts? In the Bible, there's small butts and big butts. This is a big butt. 
Okay? But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. Now think about it. I've said this before. They wore robes in those days. So for a, for, for a dignified person, especially a dignified man in the community, they never ran. Because when you run with a robe, you don't run. You, can, you can't run. You go. But if you really want to stride, if you really want to stride, you got to do this. But they might see your undergarments if you do that. But here's a dignified man, respected in the community. Men didn't run. The son is still far away off. And the father did what? He ran. And he threw his arms around him. And he kissed him. The son hadn't said anything yet. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And one of the most important things for us to grasp is that forgiveness, forgiveness has two aspects to it. The first aspect of, a, of forgiveness is the one who asks for forgiveness. The second aspect of forgiveness is the one who grants forgiveness. You with me? You see, without two people fully engaged in the process, relationships will never fully heal. When we're abused or we're hurt or we're wronged in some way, we need to forgive regardless of whether the other person confesses any wrong. It's essential if we're ever going to move on with our life to, us, to allow ourselves to heal from the damage that has been caused by the abuse or with the pain and the hurt through different kinds of circumstances. But this type of one-sided forgiveness cannot restore a broken relationship. Are you with me? It'll restore you. It'll heal you. It only lets those who have been harmed the ability to move beyond the hurt and begin to heal. But forgiveness that restores, restores relationships starts with confession. Oh, boy. Pastor, I'm not Catholic. Yes, you are. Why do I say that? Because it's so hard for us to confess sometimes. Amen? Notice the son came back to the father knowing two things. First, he knew he'd done wrong. He had no excuses. He had no reasoning, no blaming, just honest and complete confession. Say it with me. Confession. The second thing, he came with no expectations. He knew that forgiveness was not something he could earn. He didn't expect it or demand that his father forgive him. 
He knew he did not deserve forgiveness. Here's a question for all of us. How good are we at confessing? Do we confess, but only after we've been caught? Or maybe we confess only after you've blamed half of it on someone else? I did it, but it's because... Do you confess and immediately demand complete forgiveness? In other words, you have an agenda. I did this. Now forgive me. You're a Christian. Move on. Ever done that? You see, all of these are unhealthy confessions, and it's, it will always hinder the healing process. The father in the story, he understood forgiveness. He knew his son had tarnished the family name. In, other, uh, in others' eyes, he'd ruined the family's name. But the father didn't choose bitterness. In fact, he offered forgiveness. Why? Because he loved his son. He understood that forgiveness and love are tied together. We cannot walk in love and not walk in forgiveness. Because they're two sides of the same coin. Let's talk about letting go. Woo! Now you're getting now you're getting personal, PJ. Letting go. The story goes on and it says this, that, 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 that the, the father says, bring the fattened calf and let's kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. So they began to celebrate. You see, when confession comes, when people come and they confess things, we have a choice. We can choose to act as the Father did and celebrate what God has done, or we can, and, and that comes with complete forgiveness, or we can choose to live a life of bitterness and not forgive. Are you with me? Forgiveness allows you to move past the hurt and the wrong and release it to God. Let it go and let God. Let it go. And let God. Father, they do not know what they're doing. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. That's what Jesus said. When people come and they confess, when people come and they're honest, when people humble themselves and they come to them and say, you know what, I have done wrong against you. What is the thing that we say? I forgive Point number three, as we bring it to a close, telling the story of forgiveness. You see, without forgiveness, the injury becomes a disability. The hurt becomes a sickness and a disease. A lot of people that are struggling in their health, and I'm not saying everybody, beloved, but I'll tell you, a lot of people that struggle health-wise, it's because they're holding on to things. They hold on to things. They hold on to things. And inside, there's disease. And the cancer 
of unforgiveness. Bitterness. Say that with me. Bitterness. It even, it even tastes bad when it goes out, huh? Bitter. Bitterness. Because that's exactly what happens here. Meanwhile, the, the word of God says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother older brother became angry and he refused to go in so his father went he went out and he pleaded with him But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, and I never disobeyed your orders, yet you never, you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, he comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours now think about it this brother of yours he was dead but he's alive again he was lost and now he's found You see, the brother had every right to be angry. He had, a, he had a right to feel hurt. Because his brother had truly hurt him. His brother had hurt the family. His brother had hurt his father. But he couldn't forgive his brother even with his brother's heartfelt and his sincere confession. And so the relationship between he and his brother 
was not given the ability to heal. See, it's okay to be angry sometimes when people hurt us. It's okay. The Bible says be angry and do not, very good Bible scholars, sin. There's righteous indignation. There are things that Christians should get mad about. There are things that the people of God should not like. But that never gives us the right to not forgive. We have a responsibility, beloved, as the people of God to forgive because if we don't, it will do us more harm than them. Let it go and let God. How about us and God? How about us and God? You see, the same can be said about us and our Father. He sent His Son Jesus to die for us. To extend His forgiveness to all humanity. But more importantly, to extend His forgiveness to you. He sees all of our wrongs. He sees all of our failures, the sins that we've done, and the ones that we still do. And He even sees the sins that we will commit in the future. But He still offers His forgiveness. But if we want the relationship to be restored, if we want the pain and the injury we have caused ourselves and our relationship with God to be healed, we must confess. We must admit our failures and confess our complete inadequacy and inability to earn our way back to God. And to make right all the wrongs that we've done. We have to ask. We have to ask for his forgiveness. And we have to accept it. Too many Christians walk around so guilt-ridden. Because they don't accept the full forgiveness of the cross. Those words of Jesus. It is finished. And just like the father in this story. The father in heaven is waiting. 
and he's looking for our return. Because God didn't walk away from us. He doesn't mind picking up his robe and running. To meet you. And to throw a party. my son or my daughter they once were lost they once were dead but now they're found and now they're alive doesn't care about what the religious people are saying but you know but but, 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 but God you don't know what kind of people they are just like the brother right what he says is if you knew the kind of people they are love them All heads bowed.